On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. This is the Ron Johnson Show. As I bring my producer, Sam Extra in, we have a fun show today. We're going to bring in Brandon Warren from Locked On Twins. We're going to do the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment with him. We're also going to do the Daily Three. Uh, I have a couple of topics I need to throw at him because I'm seeing some weird stuff going on in baseball. But then also we have the MLB draft. Some cool things happen there. When you think about training camp, though, football is now back. It is now. We're like we're, we're inches away from a practice. We're a couple of days away from fans being able to go to training camp. Uh, just looked at my daughter's all-star game selection she got last night. That was huge. Um, and I, unfortunately, I have to figure out a way to watch the Raiders game, do the pregame show, get to her games. I mean, she's playing from like 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. twice, like two days in a row. They're going to play a ton of games. Um, so it's going to be interesting how I get this done. Um, but I'm going to be on the, uh, the, the the Vikings fan line after the Raiders win. Uh, or loss, who cares, it's preseason. We'll see what Derek Carr has. Is is he more accurate than than uh, Tua? Is Tua better than Pat Mahomes? Who knows, is Tyreek Hill in, in deep water? But at the end of the day, all those teams are doing something. They're moving things around. And, and as I bring Sam in, before we jump into moving things around, because Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, Vikings GM, he's heading into his first training camp. And all these teams have been moving pieces and trying to find that last piece of the puzzle. But there's something that Quasey said that all these teams are kind of following. And I understand his sentiment. But before we get to that, we have a word from our sponsors. Yes, we do. Have you ever been in need for just a little bit of cash? Maybe you could only afford to put a few gallons of gas in your tank or you've got another save the date. You're wondering how you're going to get another wedding gift. Well, that's where Dave can help. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill that tank, buy that wedding gift, catch up on bills, whatever it might be. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Future you will thank you. So, Sam, USA Today. Quasi. Quasi Adolfo Quasi. They say he's crazy, but if you think about Quasi, and I like I like the fact that he doesn't tiptoe around the tough subjects. Feels a little PJ Fleckish, you know. He eats tough conversations for breakfast. Um, when you think about what Quasi said, and, and here's the two things I took from his interview: one, he didn't want to go full Rams, meaning go try to find a new quarterback and, and just really just go after it in year one and say we're going to go after the Super Bowl. He's not saying they can't win a Super Bowl. He's also saying, I know we don't have Tom Brady or Pat Mahomes. 
So, you know, which means those are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who have had to do it all on their own at times where it's like it's all them or it's nothing. Like if you remove Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs, the Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs aren't good. You remove Tom Brady from the Patriots, we saw what they were. You remove Tom Brady from the Bucks, we saw what they were before he got there. We'll see what they are after he leaves. When you think about what he said, though, and here's, here's the quote that got me. The Super Bowl is more likely to win if you have that quarterback. It's very unlikely to have that quarterback. And so what he's saying is, and, and to, to, to what he's saying before that, he's saying we don't have Tom Brady. He acknowledges we don't have Patrick Mahomes, which requires him to ask, is the Vikings quarterback perennially sufficient? So is he sufficient? Is he good enough to get this done? Well, he has a little bit of a quandrum, I guess is there a quandary, however you want to say it. He look, he's a commodities trader, you know, Stanford economics masters, you know, graduate. So it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit analytics-ish, but he's also looking at the team as a whole. He knows there are some blind spots he has to cover. He knows that in the building, um, he's always looking for information. So he's going to guys that have been there, scouts, um, uh, trainers who've been there, players, you know, guys he can trust, captains. I'm um, pretty sure he's going to like, you know, trusted Vikings Entertainment Network people as well, just trying to get their takes. Um, I too have had a conversation with Quasi. I did not realize he was gaining information from me. I thought I was getting it from him. He probably was getting it from me because I did give him some, some thoughts on what I thought this offense can be and what this team could be. Also talked about what Kirk Cousins needs to do from a Peyton Manning perspective. Well, when you look at this, you know, 4,200-yard quarterback, 33-touchdown quarterback, he said, I don't know that I speak football better than them, but my worst thing is probably better than their worst thing. You know what I mean. So I think that, I, I think that my ability to communicate and really in every room in the football building makes me unique. So he's basically talking about the math side of sports. He said, I'm not trying to be arrogant. But I speak better, but but I uh but I but I speak that better than any other and, and by the way, USA Today, horrible like sit sentence structure. Like they could have fixed some of these quotes because I know he didn't say it that way, but that person for some reason wrote it down this way. But I speak that better than any other GM. What is that? Just say I I don't know if I speak better than other GMs. Like that's what he was trying to say. Like what is this? But anyway, that's not the point of this. When you, when you think about that, the math side of football, the analytic side of football, but he also can speak sports because he played basketball. He can speak, you know, to a younger generation because he is 40. Um, you know, he can, he can tiptoe on both sides of the room. Um, here, here's the thing about that. He's not being arrogant. He's saying that I believe that my quantitative lens distinguishes him from his peers. I like that. I like a guy that's willing to say that. So in his mind, should he tear down the Vikings to start over? His thought is no. Why get rid of a quarterback that I don't know what quarterback I'm going to get? Like, it's not a guarantee to go get Matthew Stafford. It's not a guarantee to get a Tom Brady to come over. It's not a guarantee. You don't see teams trading their, like Baker, Baker Mayfield. I mean, my guess is, you know, he has some Cleveland Browns ties. So my guess is that was part of his quantitative analysis. He probably reached out as well and just inquired, what is it going to take to get a Baker to be our backup, maybe to challenge Kirk for our spot, maybe move Kirk 
to the Browns, maybe or not Browns. Sorry, move Kirk to the uh, Panthers because that came up before. We we heard that before that the Panthers might have wanted to trade for Kirk Cousins. It's tough to do when you know what you have. When you know you have a quarterback can throw for 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, uh, low interception rate. But can he make the big plays in big moments? Can he do it? And his mind is like, hey, Kevin O'Connell is going to be the guy. You know, Kevin O'Connell is going to be the guy that can get this out of this. You know, he, he went over performance strategy. He goes over, uh, you know, the 49ers roster and what they did in 2019. Um, you know, they went from 4-12 and 12 in 2018 to 13-3 and three in the Super Bowl berth in 2019. So he has all of those numbers in his head. So in my mind, I, I, I truly feel like he doesn't want to be bullish because he's a stock trader. And that's a big term they use. He doesn't want to be bullish on a certain stock. Like, I don't want to tip my hat and, and let you know what I'm thinking with this team. I want you to have doubt too. Have doubt coming into our building thinking that we don't have the, what it takes to win a Super Bowl. I, I want you to be caught off guard when Kirk Cousins goes out and blazes you for 350, 400 yards. Uh, when, 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 when Justin Jefferson has a 210-yard game. Like, I want you to be sitting back thinking like Quasey might have gotten another quarterback if he could have known exactly what he's going to get out of this trade. Um, because you have to have a buyer and a seller in every trade. But at the end of the day, who wins? Like, does the stock skyrocket? Is that trade worth it? Does that quarterback bring you superstardom? The Rams, greatest trade ever. They won a Super Bowl right away. So that paid huge dividends right away. And that GM can sit back, Sean McVay can sit back and say, hey, we got it done. We got done what we needed to get done. We got our Super Bowl. Now let's just sit back, let Matthew Stafford play this out. Maybe we get back. We still got Aaron Donald. Maybe we don't. But, hey, it, that trade was worth it. The Lions, on the other hand, are like, dang. Trade our quarterback and he went and got a Super Bowl. So there's a loser and there's a winner. There's it's never completely even unless you look at the Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Vikings, Buffalo Bills. That that kind of voted its way and became even. Both are great receivers. Both teams are doing well. Receiver likes his quarterback. This receiver has his quarterback. Um, so that one you could say kind of broke even. But it doesn't always happen that way. This Baker Mayfield, uh, Browns. Panthers, we'll see what that turns out to be. But at the end of the day, Quasi is really like, I think he understands what Kirk Cousins can be because he's throwing some of the things out there. You know, he said, I study these things. I know them. If you don't have them, you don't win. So he knows what talent on the threshold needs to be. He said, he said that's very binary. So he's saying zeros and ones. Win a Super Bowl is like being in the Matrix. And he's seeing it like Neo. And he's Neo the one right now. He's seeing the numbers. Now he's just waiting to bullets to start flying so he can back Ben back. And he can do the the the, the Keanu Reeves. But he he's ready for it. Whether he's Keanu Reeves or he's uh uh what's his name? Lord, no, he'd probably be Lawrence Fishburne and uh Kevin O'Connell is gonna be Keanu Reeves. Like that's what I'm gonna go with it. He he runs the Matrix. He's he's giving Kevin O'Connell the red or the blue pill. Do you want Kirk Cousins or do you want somebody else? Clearly, he took that Kirk Cousins pill. And they're about to see what happens when they get into the matrix. I don't know, Sam, but but when, when you see these quotes, what, what came across your mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little ironic because when he says we're not going to go full Rams, he's saying we're not going to go all in at any point. We're not going to sacrifice oodles of first-round picks so that we can have an all-in season. That's what the Rams kind of did, and the Rams benefited. They won the Super Bowl. That's the ultimate goal. And Kwesi is saying no. As, as well as that worked out for L.A. and Kevin O'Connell, we're not going to use that approach because we want to have a sustainable team that's able to win three or four years in a window 
because if we give ourselves multiple chances, there's a better likelihood we'll cash in. So he's acknowledging the randomness of sport, the randomness of chasing a Super Bowl, knowing that guys can get hurt. You could have a random outcome, even if you're the better team, because every game in the playoffs is a one-game series. So he's saying, yeah, it's really hard to ensure um, results when it's a one-game playoff one and done if it was a seven game series it'd be totally different because then the better team always wins almost always but in the nfl there is some randomness to it so he's taking that cautious approach and for those that are that whatever beg him to go all in um and to to go get the best free agents to go get the best quarterback to make the most aggressive trade you might not be getting that from quasi adolfo Mensa. so that that is an interesting insight i think into his long-term team building philosophy yeah, and, and so you see it, like, again, training camp starts soon, tomorrow, basically. And we're going to have fans on the 30th at TCO. Uh, we're going to have some Vikings game day live stuff coming up. I mean, Big Ten Media Day is coming up this week. So it, it's about to get real fun when for those that love the game of football. Like, it, it's it's time to go now. Quasi's put all the words on paper. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is and let's see what this team looks like. Like we're going to, I don't think we're going to get anything in the preseason. I think we're going to get a very vanilla offense just to get the basic cadence of, of, of Kevin O'Connell helping Kirk Cousins in the helmet. I think we're going to get a little bit of Sean McVay-ish with it where Kevin O'Connell is going to talk to Kirk in the, in the, in the deal. We're going to see a loose flex huddle at times. Um, and that way, and, and the reason for the loose flex huddle is the microphone stays on. Once you come out the huddle, they turn your mic your your mic off as a coach. You can't talk to your quarterback anymore. But if you never huddle, it's on. As long as your center and your line aren't set, it's on. So as long as they can stay loose flex, they're looking at the quarterback, but they're right by the line, and he can hear Kevin O'Connell talking it through. The minute he sees something and he knows what's about to happen, boom, they flip, they turn around, they get down, they get the ball. Quarterback starts doing all this stuff. That's the Peyton Manning. And that's what I'm hoping we see from Kirk Cousins this year because I think he's smart enough to do it. He just never had a coach that trusted him. But coming up, we're going to have Brandon Warren spending some time hanging with Ron Johnson, and then we're going to have the Daily Three. So as we have a little fun, it's time to bring Brandon Warren in from Locked On Twins. So now up on the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment, we're going to have Brandon Warren from Locked On Twins. We're going to have Sam Ekstrom hang around as well. Going to have a little fun. So as I jump into this right away, Brandon, I, I got to get this out of out the way. Baseball, in my opinion, I mean, let's be real, has way too many games. If you could pick a perfect number of games in a season, you look at some of these five-game series, these three-game series, these eight-game series in 11, eight times in 11-game stuff. What could be a better number to get the casual fan like me to stay, like, interested in baseball and add more playoffs? Like, is it 120? Is it 100? Um, is it more basketball-ish? You just go 82 and, and you cut out some of these – you know, inner squad games that don't matter and you stick to what really matters like the NFL does. I mean, what what does baseball need to do to keep the casuals around? Because even the hard, diehard fans, I feel like, don't go to every game. They leave games. I know these owners are trying to be billionaires, so they're, they're stretching it out as much as they can, killing their pitchers and players. Like, and, and again, the injuries, the nagging hips, muscle. Like, what is that number to get to that? Well, for me, I... I like that number. So that the problem is that I'm kind of going to be the wrong test subject, but I get where you're coming from. And it is a game that values the long game and fans don't have that kind of, I won't say loyalty, but uh, attention span. It's, it's very fair to say it. It's one thing to watch an NFL game three hours 
every week. It's another to watch a three-hour game six days a week with a day off or sometimes not even a day off. So if it were to come down to reducing games in a season, I think we saw what that could look like in 2020 in the 60-game season. I didn't think 60 was nearly enough. If you double that at a one at 120, that's that's probably at least starting to be enough for me. But you know, they used to play 154. I don't think that's a, enough of a difference to really make a dent in what you're seeing here. So I think for me, I want to keep it at 162, but I'm listening to anything above 120 as a suggestion. Maybe keep it in the warmer weather time for teams like Minnesota, Detroit, all those teams that have an actual winter coming when the postseason comes. But with that said, yeah, I, I like the length it is. But at the same time, too, I get it. I understand that not everybody likes baseball as much as I do. Yeah, because, I mean, there's football weather. So, like, yeah. we get football weather. We're built for it. It's what it's been. But baseball, when that ball is cold, when your hands are cold, like, it's just a different game. Um, you know, you don't have the same, like, flight of the ball. You, you got, like, Minnesota, if it, if it snows in October, what do they do? You know, like, it, it's just, to, you know, April. Like, March and April is horrible here. Like, it's just, I, I just feel like there's got to be a way to condense it, like you're saying, for the weather-wise. Um, and then you get more playoff teams. If you can get more playoff teams, more playoff games, um, mm -hmm. like football captured it. By adding that 17, 14 teams, make it to the playoffs, people were dialed in. I have a feeling they're going to go to 16 at some point in the NFL and just go eight and eight. Eight on both sides. Let's just get everybody in. Let's let's open this up so teams like the Dolphins can get in the playoffs and end up winning a game and beating somebody. Um, basketball has it. I mean, NCAA was 64. Like, baseball is one of those, I hate the one-game series, and then you turn around, and then now you got the series that we knew was coming anyway, the Red Sox and the Yankees. Like, you know, it's got to be a way to get more teams an opportunity in these playoffs to 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 make it more like play-in game-ish. You know, the twin the Timberwolves yeah. and the 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 uh I forgot who they played, Spurs Clippers. maybe or whoever they played, Clippers. Like that was yeah. one of the most watched games and most talked about because of Cat and, and Pat Beverly celebration. But mm -hmm. that's what I think people are waiting for baseball to get. They're waiting for that excitement. Because hockey already has their diehards, um, even though yeah. their season seems long as well. Like I feel like they're right back at it again. Um but baseball doesn't see – I mean, they have, like, the guys like you. Like, they have the guys that are in it. But I, just, I feel like there's a better way to get to the playoffs. But fast-forwarding to time of game. You just said that. Three hours. We've seen some minor league games that time's been cut down. They found ways to, to, to shorten the time of the mound. Mike Clevenger from the doggone uh, San Diego Padres. Like, what is his deal? Like, I know it's a balk if there's nobody on base. So why is he allowed to – or, sorry, if somebody's on base. Why is he allowed to do it if nobody's on base? Like, it just seems like I don't know when you're about to pitch it because you're doing all this crap and then you line – you know, like, stuff like that. Like, you've got to get that stuff out of the game. It's just too long in, in between pitches, and I got to do all this before I throw it. Just throw the ball. Like, like, how do they start to monitor that and manage that? Yeah, I think the plan is for pitch clocks to become kind of a thing that's enforced more strictly here moving forward. And again, too, what they've seen in the minor leagues is that that increased pace, uh, you know, the, the speed, getting guys back on the mound in 20 seconds instead of 30 or 15 instead of 25, it cuts off a sizable amount of the game and it does not really alter the viewing experience that much. Is there a big difference between sitting and watching something for two hours versus three hours? 
I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Percentage-wise, that's a pretty sizable percent. But if you're carving out a spot in the couch for two hours versus three hours, are you going to notice a difference? Is your family going to notice a difference that you're back up and ready to rejoin society because the game's over? <laughs> I, I don't think there's been I don't think there's been any real issue with it in the minor leagues, and I think we could see it coming to the big leagues where they just tighten some things up. The issue that comes it keeps coming back to, and like you said about the ownership, is they're not going to cut commercials. They're going to cut things that happen on the field, and it's going to be, you know. It won't be time between innings. It's going to be time between pitches. It's going to be guys not coming out of the batter's box, which they've already been instructed to keep an eye on. So keeping the game moving is going to be one thing. It's just a matter of how's the continuity going to be if those commercial breaks continue to be two minutes and 20 seconds or 2.30, whatever they are. So, yeah, it, it's it's about to – we're about to see if they're going to be penny-wise, pound-foolish because if they're trying to make more money and speed up games – but they ruined the the actual vibe of the game, you know, you're kind of fighting against yourself there. So I, I'm not sure what exactly the, the right answer is, but as long as they're willing to try some different things, at least it, it looks like you're, you know, taking a shot to try to figure some things out. Right. And so let's, let's, let's pivot to uh, the MLB draft and, and, you know, and I, and I always look just to see who, you know, who the twins is somebody everybody's excited about is Twitter going to blow up over this draft pick, um, you know, for a team doing as well as they did and still had the eighth pick in the draft. Um, it, it's pretty, a pretty good sign for them. Like, Hey, is this somebody we can get in here? We already know Carlos Correa is a shortstop, but they drafted uh, Brooks Lee. But before we get into Brooks Lee, when you look at the first six picks, you know, you got Jackson Holiday, you got Drew Jones, you got Kamar Rocker, you got Tamar Johnson, you got Elijah Green, you got Jacob Berry. And when you when you see that many African Americans drafted in the first round, um, it basketball, you know, black guys in basketball, we know that. Football, we know that, dominated. But then baseball became a thing where uh, either it got boring or you didn't see a, a ton of participation. Uh, we know bats are expensive, whereas kind of in football, you're given the equipment. Basketball, you just need a pair of shoes. And then most of the time, if you're on a really good AAU team, they're giving you everything you need. Baseball is a little bit different beast. I mean, my daughter's playing softball. So, you know, I've seen the $450, the $500 bats that are needed to play the sport. Uh, and so in, in, that, in your own helmet, because, you know, you don't want to wear, like teams don't have 12 helmets and they're not cleaning them like college and, and the pros. You know, you have to go buy your own helmet and you need a backpack and you need the cleats and then you need this and blah, blah. And so uh, when you see that type of participation and that's become a big thing on Twitter uh, about that, about the representation of African-Americans now back in baseball, you think about Jackie Rao, it was a sport where, where they didn't even want him on the field. Um, what is that saying for that, you know, because we've, we've heard LeBron talk about Boston, you know, being racist and we've heard Boston, you know, baseball players bring it up at times. And, you know, then Big Poppy tried to say one thing and then said a different thing. Like, what do you see about the representation now in baseball kind of uh, starting to just, you know, drop the armor a little bit? That, that actually came up with Boston when Kirby Puckett re-signed with the Twins back in, I want to say, 1992. Boston was mm -hmm. one of the contenders to sign him, and people were asking him, you know, do you really want to go play in Boston with what we know about that fan base and that city at that time? I don't know how much it's changed or if it's changed. That's 30 years ago. But right. two, Reggie Jackson came up to Kirby and said, hey, man, what's going on? You don't have any, uh, any of our, he said, like our type on your team. The Twins were a very white team back then. And yeah. Kirby said, oh, I don't know, man. You know, we got guys coming up. And, it, and Reggie kind of turned it into something. 
But the reality is that, yeah, the representation matters, and it's great to see guys like CC Sabathia kind of paving the way, Andrew McCutcheon paving the way, saying, listen, you see me on this stage, whether it's on the stage being drafted, on the stage winning an award, on the stage winning a World Series, whatever it is, that can be you. And it it's part of, I think, too, you see like uh, RBI programs, reviving baseball in inner cities and that sort of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a grassroots effort where you can't just fix the problem from the top down. You've got to basically plant the seeds and let them grow. And maybe you're seeing, like, I don't know the history of Tamar Johnson or even Hunter Green, who's with the Reds right now, was in the mix mm -hmm. for the Twins to draft a couple years ago. But if those kids are coming through some of these programs, again, you're seeing the, the ground that you have planted and fertilized coming up. And it's absolutely great because these kids need that representation. It's always good to see people who are like you in positions of power, whether it's politics, sports, the work, the workforce, whatever. And so honestly, I, I applaud it. You know, it's, it's still not where it needs to be. And your points are well taken about the economics of baseball. I think you see it in hockey too. Hockey is just so expensive. And we know a lot of socioeconomic things about where um, Af African-Americans are in today's society. And so hopefully that can can uh, get into hockey as well. But for now, when we're talking about baseball here, I think it's it's starting to show progress. Again, we're not where they need to be, but I think it's good progress. And, um, you know, it, it's always fun to see guys uh, drafted that high that maybe you hadn't expected at first. Yeah, and Brooks Lee, he's the fifth-rated prospect. He was the fifth-rated prospect. Um, a bunch of 18-year-olds in front of him. Uh, and then yeah. the 21-year-old Cal Poly, you know, shortstop. Um, what, what, what are they getting? And he's a switch hitter. What are they getting? And, and how soon could he, you know, is he going to make it? And then how soon could the twins see him actually playing in the big leagues? Yeah, he can really hit. Uh, the question is where his defensive home will be, whether it's third, second, wherever, but the hit tool is really there. Um, he's short to the ball, does a lot of good things. And if you can be a switch hitter, who's capable on both sides, that makes you pretty much matchup proof from a pitching standpoint. So the, the idea that they have too many shortstops, which you'll hear some people say, is it's kind of a misnomer because it's kind of like, you know, if you look at every team, the best player is the shortstop, the pitcher, the catcher, maybe the center fielder. A lot of those guys become third basemen, right fielders, whatever. So you, you pick the athletes, you pick the guys who are just good players, and then you turn them into whatever their body style fits. You know, in a Division One program, you may not have to be a super elite athletic shortstop to be the best player on the team. So I think Lee probably fits in the future at third or second. But again, too, they have a glut of prospects like this. They've got Royce Lewis at the top, who's still dealing with the knee thing. But Austin Martin and now Lee, they, they have a group of guys who they can kind of mix and match. And if they want to make a trade, too, they can trade from this kind of uh, stash of guys. As far as Lee is concerned, the fact that he's you know already 21 being drafted up against and near some like 18 and 19 year olds is that he'll probably move pretty fast. You know, he's, he's a polished player. I know coming out, he was a, a good high school player that um, decided he wanted to play for his dad at college. So I think they'll move him pretty quickly. Similar to Martin, Austin Martin, the uh, prospect right now has only ever played in double A. He started in double A in the Toronto system. He's still in double A with the twins. I don't think the twins are going to be quite as aggressive with Lee but it wouldn't shock me if they're pretty aggressive based on his age and relative polish. And when you look at 
football season started. Everybody, you know, of course, people were, there's jokes on Twitter about this, that when football season starts, no other sport matters. I agree. I do feel like that. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> I, I, it's tough to yeah. follow baseball and football at the same time. And that's one of the reasons why I think baseball can shorten it up, uh, because then they don't run into that. You know, if they were to put their championship stuff in August, in September, right at the beginning of football, you don't lose a lot of those fans because when I'm deciding on where to spend my disposable income, I'm going to spend it on a Sunday versus a whole week of trying to get to baseball games. Um, for you, where do you stand on that? Like, do you kind of lose, especially if the Vikings come out 4-0, do you lose sight a little bit of the Twins or you kind of die hard where you rather watch baseball over football? I can honestly do both, but I think that's kind of a luxury of uh, whether it's watching one on my phone and one on the TV or or whatever. But um, the only the, the main issue I see is the whole fall classic thing and baseball loving to play that that October chilling World Series. I mean, if it's in Miami, it's certainly not cold. But if it's in you know if it's New York, uh, Yankees and Mets, you know, in the Bronx or in Queens in October, it's not going to be eighty degrees. It's going to be 60 degrees at first pitch and in the 50s by the time the game ends. And it's got that chill and everybody's wearing their jackets and stuff. I just don't think baseball wants to quit that. So I think they're okay splitting time with the NFL with the idea that the NFL is just one, sometimes two, I guess now three or four days a week with Thursday games. Um, it's just a, a matter of the, they're willing to have multiple good things rather than splitting time. I, I think that... Um, for me, it works, but I, I don't know how it works for other fans because, uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to know which which game gets the big TV and which one gets the phone on Sundays, that's for sure. Well, we're about to go with the Daily 3. I think we're going to keep Brandon Warren around, if I'm not mistaken, but we're going to bring Sam Extra yeah. in. Take it away, Sam. It's three questions, three minutes each. This is Daily 3. You got it. Before I start, I'll tell you about BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. They've got reviews and news from every league, eSports, golf, NFL futures, NHL. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for your sports wagering information. Head there today on your computer or mobile device. BetOnline, where the game starts. And here's where we start in the Daily Three. The Vikings veterans are reporting to camp today. Quazy and Kevin O'Connell will speak to the media at about 11.15. Tell me, though, which veteran is sitting on a career year for the Minnesota Vikings? Ron, start with you. You know what? I'm going to go with one people are forgetting about because of Justin Jefferson. I think Adam Thielen is sitting on a career year. It might not be like catches and yards, but I think just from a production and a touchdown standpoint, when you think about how well the Rams were able to move the ball around with Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, uh, Van Jefferson, uh, Robert Woods. Like, Robert Woods we know got hurt, but they've always had multiple weapons be able to be, you know, well used, uh, well, like, kind of spread the ball around. We already know Kirk Cousins doesn't play favorites, but we know Thielen's his boy. Uh, we know Thielen's one of the best red zone receivers at 6'2", 6'3". Two and a half. I'm taller than him, so I'm gonna say six two and a half. Um, he doesn't like stand out like man because he's only like a half inch tall, shorter than me, and and everybody just assumed that's all I was was a red zone receiver. 
Um, Adam Thielen doesn't stand like he's 6'3". He stands like he's six feet when you see him, but he's actually 6'2". So he runs really patient routes. Uh, his hands are 99 on Madden, in my opinion. And so when you think about Kirk Cousins knowing where can I go with the ball and have the least amount of resistance, it's going to be Adam Thielen. Because Justin Jefferson's like, – and as much as we're talking about Justin Jefferson, as much as Justin Jefferson's talking about himself, it's going to get a lot of people watching, a lot of defensive coordinators trying to make Kirk think Justin's one-on-one, and then they're going to shade him. They're going to underneath help. I mean, because we know there's a ton of routes that the Rams ran. So I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. So is this my chance to jump in here? I, I, I'm going yeah. with – Okay, so um, there's two two veterans I'm watching before I get to my guy. I want to see how Daniil Hunter adapts to the 3-4 front, and I want to see how much Alexander Madison plays in his walk year. Is this going to be another Moeldy Moore situation? You know, the guys who back up for a long time and then go somewhere else and get a longer look. Jarek McKinnon, that sort of thing. But I keep coming back to Kirk Cousins and putting him in an offense that can be tailored to him. We talk so much about the Rams going and getting Matthew Stafford. And statistically, when you look at Matthew Stafford and you look at Kirk Cousins, if you were to pick those two guys' statistics on a little piece of paper out of a hat, you probably wouldn't be able to tell them apart. So why not bring in the coach from the team that got that out of Matt Stafford to take him to the next level give him a better supporting cast, give him a better offense to run on an offensive-minded head coach. I think Kirk Cousins is in for a big year, and it's a, at a big time because they have to make some decisions on him moving forward. Yeah, I, I think you guys both missed the correct answer, which is Herb Smith Jr. I mean, the bar isn't <laughs> set that high. 365 yards a couple of years ago is the, the mark to beat. I think he's sitting on a big career year. Second question I don't think of him for as a you. Vet. Right. I mean, he hasn't even done anything. Yeah. Finally, somebody that that agrees with me over Sam. (laughs) Brandon, you're never invited back. Um, I think we have a tweet to go with this one. A recent stat shows the Vikings have the best winning percentage of any franchise to not win a Super Bowl. Quite the distinction. So if we can look at that list, there there are the teams. You got about, about a dozen teams on there. Take a good look. Which of those clubs is going to break the curse first? Who is going to win a Super Bowl? I'm so scared to even go through this one, but this is what I'd say. The Bengals were the closest so far. Falcons had a chance too, but they don't have Matt Ryan anymore, but the Bengals were the most recent closest. So I got to go with the Bengals first. And then, unfortunately, I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm, I'm, I'm going because of Stephon Diggs and, and Josh Allen, and, I don't, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to keep those two for a little bit longer. Um, they, they're adding Von Miller, so that's going to, you know, do, Von Miller just went and ran, won a Super Bowl. Um, he won one with the Broncos, and he went and won one with the Rams. Now, can Von Miller three, you know, do a three-time, three-different team Super Bowl? Um, he might do this with the Bills. Who knows what this team's going to look like? They were, I mean, they've been right there every minute. Like, they were right there with Pat Mahomes, and they couldn't get it done. Is is that the case now? Is that going to be the case where all of a sudden he finds a way to get it going with this team? And Von Miller is the guy to help the Bills keep Pat Mahomes from making that last-minute throw because they continue to lose that way to the Chiefs. Are the Chiefs now out of it because Tyreek Hill is gone? So are the Bills now kind of the odds-on favorite over there? 
So I got to go with those. Then I'm going to go Vikings third. I think, you know, with Kevin O'Connell, what they're doing, I think they do have a shot. But I, but I got to go with the Bengals and the Bills first and then the Vikings. Oh, that was tough. I'm going to change it up. I'm going to go with the Chargers. I just like what they're doing with Justin Herbert. I think they've surrounded him with a lot of offensive talent. They've got some pretty exciting defensive talent in Bosa and a few other guys. So I think they're starting to put some things together. I don't disagree with anything Ron said there as far as those two teams and having quarterbacks who can take you to that level. Obviously, I'm a big Josh Allen fan, and why wouldn't you be? He's, he's terrific. And the Bengals got on the cusp. And, you know, how can you not like their situation offensively with Joe Burrow and, and those guys as well? But I think the Chargers are in a similar spot. Herbert's a terrific young quarterback. Austin Eckler's a, a dynamic running back who, if he can stay healthy, is he's going to be a fantasy football league winner this year for a lot of guys. So the one thing I come back to, though, and let's talk about the Vikings for a second. They're the only team on that list above 500. Every other team is below 500. If you cannot understand or feel the vibe that Vikings fans have of being perpetually decent, but not great, not amazing, not perfect. I, that's a, that's a 70 point advantage between them and the Titans, a, a Titans team. We mm -hmm. shouldn't sleep on because anytime you've got Derrick Henry and now Robert Woods, uh, Traylon Burks, you know, they've got an interesting offense too. Um, you really feel the Vikings fans pain here in the sense that they've been perpetually like a nine and seven, 10 and six team that just can't get over the hump. So I sympathize with Vikings fans, but I think if anybody's going to be this year's Bengals, it's the chargers. Interesting. Well, the Bengals came from like nothing to something. What about uh, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville with that new coach, Doug Peterson, some better leadership. Um, they're building up some talent down there in Jacksonville too. We talked about Kyler Murray's contract yesterday in the Daily Three. Well, the other news that came out was his independent study addendum, which attempts to mandate that he studies four hours per week watching film. No TV time, no video games, no cell phone time. He's got to be locked in. Ron, what kind of message is this sending to Kyler Murray? And uh, have you ever heard of anything like this? Uh, I've never heard of that being in there. And this is what I say. Two things. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. If you're going to put an addendum in there, you got to make it a non-disclosure addendum. If I was his agent, I'd be like, look, fine. I put it in there. We're going to make this an NDA. Everybody's going to sign an NDA, and this is not going to get out to the public. Two, disrespectful to just, like, even assume that. Three, dumb. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life because if you feel like he's not studying, it reminds me of Jamarcus Russell. I remember they were saying the Raiders gave him a blank CD and sent him home, and then he and they never knew he never knew it was blank. I mean, there was Michael Vick conversations about that too that that he would go home and just play video games and never studied. He was just just at that athletic. I feel like that's where they went with this with with Kyler Murray that he's so athletic that at times he doesn't know the plays, he doesn't know the checks, he doesn't know every single route. He's just out there playing backyard football, and that's probably why they don't do as well as they should all the time. Um, but in my opinion. It's dumb. Why give that man 160 million guarantee, 230 million? Slap me with a tortilla and disrespect me if you're going to give me 160. Like, I'll take that. You can say I'm dumb, stupid, blind, and crazy. But if you give me 160, fine. Let's put in that contract. I will sign it. But this is the problem with that. 
he threw a tantrum. He took all their stuff off social media. He said, trade me. I don't want to be here. Or he didn't say it in so many words, but everybody else said it for him. And then you paid the man, but then you say, hey, can you study a little bit more? That was dumb on both sides. But, of course, Kyler Murray wins that battle because he gets the $230 million, 160 guaranteed. We'll see if he studies, and we'll see what the season looks like. But everybody's going to be paying attention now, and that's always going to come up at every press conference. Did you study this week? It's going to be one of those annoying questions every week that somebody's going to ask Kyler Murray. To me, it's like going with an unproven carpenter to build your house and thinking that because you're going to spend more money on your house, it's going to be a better house. Well, you need to be shown that that carpenter has put in the work and has learned the tools of the trade to be as successful as possible building your house. Are the Cardinals doing that with this addendum to the contract? I don't think so. I don't think money is going to cure the, the questions that they have with his study habits, his behaviors, whatever it is. I also found it kind of curious that the three quarterbacks we mentioned all have a very common trait in terms of their uh, ethnicity. And so is it a real thing? Is it a perceived thing? I'm not saying that's a thing because obviously that's not my place to say that, but it's, it's just a curiosity that keeps coming back to me. I think that Jamarcus Russell story is amazing. And it just, uh, the tapes were blank, man. Uh, if you're going to give somebody big money, they need to show you those study habits before, because it's like going off to college is a, is not a good studier. You're not going to become a good studier in college, no matter what. Well, the one thing I'll say now is now it's on iPads. So they can load it up on the iPad. They can see what he's viewed, just like a parent can watch how much screen time did your kid have on the iPad. <laughs> Again, at the end of the day, yeah. what are they going to make him do? FaceTime while he studies? Like, he can just hit play and let it play while he's playing Call of Duty. So I don't know how yeah. they're going to monitor. Is he actually watching the film and going through the plays? Because uh, I saw the X's and O's, and I've used it before. It's a cool system. You can type in a number. It'll find whoever number you're looking for in the film. Uh, you can type in a play. It'll actually run the play with the little dots. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff to it. You can set up the defense with the offense and then run the play. Is he actually doing it, or is that one of his assistants sitting there making $1,000 for the day just to sit there and fake watch film as Kyler Murray? Who knows? But I know he's a perfectionist. He wants to get better. He is a baseball player. He is a, a competitor. So maybe this will light a, a light a fire on him. Or maybe this will piss him off even more. I mean, that's what we don't know. You don't know if this is going to piss him off anymore. You just signed a contract just to say, give me my 160, and I'm out of here. Now, maybe that clause means, hey, if you don't study, we don't have to pay you. I don't really know what. We'll have to have Sam dig into that. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show. That's the Daily Three with Brandon Warren and Sam Ekstrom. Me and Brandon had time with Ron Johnson today. We sat down. We talked baseball and how to make it better and then of course we talked about Quasi adolfo mensa and what the vikings could look like if they don't go full rams this is the locked on sports minnesota podcast network this is the ron johnson show have a great day